Hi, my name is Caitlin Prince, and I'm the host of the new Bitcoin Policy UK podcast. Each month, I'll be interviewing the Bitcoin Policy UK team and other UK Bitcoiners to help share the latest news on Bitcoin policy, Bitcoin mining and sustainability, and the progress of Bitcoin education in the UK. Today, I am kicking off our first episode with our three co-founders, Freddie, Krista, and Susie, who lead the policy, next-gen, and mining committees, respectively. Today, they'll be talking about what they have been working on since Bitcoin Policy UK launched in April, and what exciting stuff is coming up next. Okay, so let's start with um, each team member introducing yourselves and just kind of like introduce yourself and explain what you're doing and what's your work and what, what pillar you're working on and why you're doing this. Um, let's start with um, Krista. <laughs> my going first. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my name is Krista Edmonds and I'm one of the co-founders of Bitcoin Policy UK. Um, I currently lead marketing and temporarily lead our next gen pillar, which is the pillar that looks at creating and supporting a talent pipeline for the UK to make sure that we have Bitcoin native trained people for the explosion in Bitcoin activity in the business world that we expect in coming over the next few years. Okay, very cool. And um, Susie, let's hear uh, what you do. I'm Susie Byler-Ward. I'm heading up mining and sustainability. I am working on proof of concepts to show parliamentarians and policymakers the art of the possible. So if they're not necessarily going to listen, then hopefully they'll listen if we can show them that there is uh, an incentive for business to get on board with mining. Um, I'm also a journalist with a Bitcoin column for City AM, and I like to write about Bitcoin. Very cool. Okay, Freddie. <laughs> Hi, so I'm the, the third co-founder of, of the, the organization. My name is Freddie New. Uh, I'm a lawyer by training, originally M&A and private equity, and for the last few years working in fintech and engineering startups. Um, I've loved Bitcoin for a long time, and uh, together with the rest of the team, uh, my my focus is very much on policy. So trying to give as much good information about Bitcoin and why it's important to politicians and regulators. Okay, so maybe you can dive into um, Bitcoin policy a bit deeper and kind of explain what you guys mean by policy, if you want to go on to that. Sure. Shall I take that one, guys? Um, so I, I think very simply, um, when we refer to policy, we, we're talking about um, the aims and goals of regulators, politicians, um, party members, and the way in which uh, our political system translates those into rules that uh, steer behavior of individuals and companies and institutions. Um, so unpacking that a bit more, um, as you and I'm sure all your listeners will know, uh, each political party in the UK has its own set of policies, which are really, I suppose, a summary of their beliefs and how they see the world and how they believe it should be governed and organised. Okay. And um, the extent to which we are able to influence the way that they set up the, the, the rules-based system in which uh, Bitcoin as a commodity and as a piece of technology will operate within the United Kingdom is what we're looking to influence. Okay, very cool. And um, 
So we all know that Bitcoin Policy Institute UK is kind of focused on the UK. It's kind of in the name. Um, can you maybe explain what main problems the UK is currently facing regarding Bitcoin? Not, not to be too facetious about it, but in some ways the UK is um, too good at financial services and is too comfortable a place to live for, I think, people to have recognized that they may need Bitcoin yet. Um, so unpacking that a little bit, it, it's interesting when you look at the adoption waves and the statistics regarding which countries have more option and which have less, those countries which have a certain set of characteristics or a certain set of problems tend to have much higher adoption rates. So, for example, uh, in Lebanon or in Argentina, where inflation is extraordinarily high, 70, 80, 90 percent, uh, adoption is much higher. Um, or in countries where financial repression or monitoring by a central bank uh, is, is higher, correspondingly, you see Bitcoin use and adoption is also higher. Um, in the UK, inflation is admittedly high. It's the, the last print was running at seven point, uh, sorry, eight point seven percent from recollection. That's painful, but not so painful that it might drive people yet to seek alternatives. Um, and then considering the the extent to which our financial system is 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 is, is well developed and sophisticated, it, it is undeniably one of the most sophisticated and oldest in the world. We are responsible for a lot of innovations that are that are still new today. The uh, the corporation is a is a sort of British invention. The idea of separate legal personality, all manner of different financial instruments. We have a very very sophisticated financial system, full of people who think they know how the world works to whom Bitcoin is either a joke or irrelevance, I feel. But I don't know if that reflects your, uh, your experience or your understanding. Yeah, no, that, that, that's very clear. But also, um, we, I kind of wanted to talk about the, uh, the confusion also regarding Bitcoin uh, because of the media and how the media covers um, Bitcoin in the UK. Um, can we maybe go on to that? Of course. Um, I'm, I've got several strong opinions about that, which I won't air um, on the podcast. But <laughs> um, with, and of course, with the exception of Susie, who who is a mem member of the, the journalistic profession and, and doesn't reflect, I think, I think it's perhaps the mainstream view. Um, I think a lot of this comes down actually to the pressures that journalists are under when they're writing stories. So my, my first job, just segueing slightly, was actually in a press office at a lobby group more than 20 years ago. And it was extraordinarily noticeable that once you managed to get a press release or uh, a soundbite out into the wild, it was very, very easy then to see that replicated in much the same way that a meme endlessly perpetuates itself. And so for a journalist who is under a, a significant degree of time pressure and has been instructed by their editor to write an article about Bitcoin. Um, once you get a tipping point where there are lots more articles out in the wild about Bitcoin being bad for the environment or Bitcoin boiling the oceans or by 2020, Bitcoin will use all of the world's available energy. It's very easy for a journalist to produce 400 to 600 words with a quick Google search, pulling up a few bits and pieces from previous stories and regurgitating those effectively. We've got to remember that journalists are also human and they're under time pressure and they've been given instructions to do certain things. 
So that I think is is one reason. That is at the individual level of journalists writing stories, and you know that's how a lot of people will do their jobs. Um, secondly, above the journalists, we have editorial decision making, and in many cases, those editors will have been to the same universities as the people who work in the city, and they will have the same understanding and uh, the same, I suppose, inherent beliefs about how the world functions. And also to them, Bitcoin will probably be a joke. They are very unlikely to be computer scientists. They are highly unlikely to be Austrian economists. And if you are a quasi-Keynesian student who read PPE at Oxford or History at Cambridge and is now the editor of a national newspaper, you are far more likely to think in a particular way and the way in which you think is going to be much more similar to the people who work in city institutions uh, that I just mentioned. And I, I was one of them. I worked in the city for 12 years. These, these people were my friends and I went to that kind of university and I, I, I read that kind of subject. I did classics, but I can't really, I can't really talk. Um, but so I, I think those are probably the two, the two reasons I would pinpoint. I, I, I'm not necessarily of the view that the, that the media's approach to Bitcoin is particularly um, particularly nefarious in any way. I'm, I'm, I've always had a view that it's much more sensible to, to blame these things either on circumstances or a cock up rather than conspiracy. Um, so you briefly mentioned uh, the global warming aspects on uh, Bitcoin. Um, Susie, I'm sure that you're aware of all of this um, controversy going on in the media. Um, and the, the fact that mining Bitcoin is kind of ruining the world and causing global warming. Uh, what do you think about all of this? I mean, what is your what is your opinion? I think it takes hundreds, if not thousands of hours to understand it. And like Freddie said, they've under time pressure. They don't have the time to study it and put the effort in. And it's also an emerging technology. It takes people a long time to get their heads around and get it into their psyches. So I think it's just a, a journey that we have to go on and education is absolutely key. And unfortunately, we don't have many peer reviewed studies that we can show academics. And I think that that's a little bit of a gap, but that once again shows how new this technology is and that will come. So when it, when it does, you know, I think we'll see a lot more positivity about it as people's understanding grows. Okay, hey, thank you very much. Um, going back to Freddie, can you please explain what you have worked on this month and what you have done and what's your main points that you have that you want to? Sure, share? of course. Um, so a lot of what we've done so far on the policy side has been um, written and quasi-academic work. So may maybe backtracking over the last two months, if that's okay. Of course. Um, <laughs> we we had a couple of significant pieces that we put into the FCA that was in response to the future financial services regime. Um, so that involves a a lot of work within within the team, and that was that was probably a really across um across group um effort from all of us. Uh, so that that went in uh, some time ago now, and that bill has actually recently become law. We've also done a very significant piece of work uh, feeding back to the Bank of England on their CBDC proposals and uh, what we thought about them. You can probably guess what our opinions were if you have, haven't already read the piece. Um, and we're current. We've also done a piece on a DeFi and taxation of the same. Um, 
some people might think that's not strictly relevant to Bitcoin. The work, the reason we put in some uh, some work on that was because we recognize that some people, despite Celsius and BlockFi and so on blowing up, may still want to try and earn some yield on their Bitcoin, even though, as we know, it's never clear where the yield is coming from. Um, and at the moment, we're engaged in uh, speaking to several different industry participants as part of drafting another piece of feedback for um, for, the, for the FCA relating to uh, the future, the financial promotions regime, which will affect the way that Bitcoin business can advertise in, in the UK. Yeah, sounds like you've been busy. Um, so what is the next step? Like, what are you working on and working towards to? So sorry, I missed that. I cut out for a second. Uh, what What is your next step? What are you going to work towards to? What's the main goal here? So, which had, as I say, we've had a busy summer in terms of the consultations. Um, more broadly, in terms of policy, we want to try and map out um, various groups of politicians who are currently in in Parliament, splitting them into those who are anti, those who are pro, and those who might be converted from neutral to pro. So that's a, a big piece of analytical work. Once we've done that, we're also going to attempt to target ones who are either pro or uh, or potentially can be swayed, and maybe even some of the negative ones um, with a uh, with books or and or leaflets about Bitcoin. Um, one of the Giza Fund um, initiatives that we have running at the moment is uh, raising uh, Bitcoin to buy copies, initially the Bitcoin Standard potentially also of the progressive guide to Bitcoin and we'll look to target um, different politicians with uh, with gifts of those books. Um, there will be a degree of crossover in the near future with the efforts that Susie is leading in terms of trying to demonstrate um, mining initiatives to politicians. The way we will link, and I may let Susie um, pick up this, this point, I think the way we're aiming to link those together is as Susie mentioned, um, once we have some of these up and running off the ground, for example, some some miners um, mining from stranded solar, stranded wind, from biogas, from methane, we'd then be able to use those as case studies and flag those to politicians and say, well, look, you're worried about the environmental impact. This site here is reducing methane. It is reducing greenhouse gas emissions and so on. And Susie, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that. I couldn't unmute. I'm sorry. No, well, no, you covered it beautifully. Um, we just need to work out the best proof of concept to go towards because we've got limited funds. So I think we've got about four and a half million sats in one of our funds at the moment. And it, Freddie's going to be working out all the different projects, the cost of them, and then we're going to decide which ones are the most effective and economically viable to go forward with. But we've got a few ideas and we just... Um, we're just working on which one's the best one, depending on the price, of course. Okay, and uh, so this question kind of goes out to all of you. Uh, who is the person you definitely want to orange pill and why? And why do you think that this would make uh, a big difference to uh, UK and how uh, Bitcoin, well, how they can introduce Bitcoin into um, UK? I can tell you, I want to orange peel my mum. I think if I could crack her, I could crack anyone. 
I, I go on about it all the time and I just know that I bore her and I just feel like if she was on board it would be excellent so I'd go with my mum. <laughs> Come on Freddie you look like you've got one ready. <laughs> Have you I, I think I know Krista do you want to go next or? Um, probably Martin Lewis. Um, I think because he's very well trusted and he has got such a terrific reputation in terms of defending the kind of people who are really impacted the most by poor monetary policy. And if he were able to understand the incredible difference in an approach to monetary policy that Bitcoin represents, I feel that would be amazingly impactful. Um, and not necessarily because he might make more people buy it, but I feel he might make more people look at it more seriously. Okay. Yeah, that's a fair point. I would say mine would probably be King Charles. It's a bit of a long shot, but I feel that like if he could really wed himself to that project, especially being an environmentalist that he is, and if he understood it along with him and probably Prince William, I think they would be good ambassadors for Bitcoin and would be able to sort of show leadership of Bitcoin in the UK and abroad. Very interesting. I like, I like that answer. Okay. I think that was my answer when I was on your dad's podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, because my dad asked that question quite a lot. I kind of stole that one. I thought that With was- the king. <laughs> he was like, yeah, come to the top. Brilliant. <laughs> would that have been the queen at the time? Oh, probably. I don't think it was. Oh, has she gone already? Oh, okay. I don't know. I'm sure I said the king. Maybe I did say the queen, but I'm, maybe I can't remember. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll do it. We'll put that on our uh, strategy document for BPUK. We'll be <laughs> orange peeling the, the royal, royal family. Yeah, the fact he's an environmentalist as well. He, he'll, he should be all over this. Definitely. That's a very good point. So um, now this is kind of a difficult question. Um, hang on, that's not alarm going. Have you got something burning in the oven? <laughs> I did that. I set random alarms. I, I did it at the weekend. My phone just went off, and then Rob's like, "What's that for?" Oh, that was for me to wake up from my nap. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is actually that wasn't actually my phone. That was my sister who left her phone in this room. So this isn't my fault. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> Should be good now. Um, so, Susie, what is Bitcoin mining? Yeah, so Bitcoin mining is where you basically take energy and you run lots of computational puzzles to try and solve blocks to then create a block every 10 minutes and then every block is 6.25 Bitcoin. So it's a way of securing the network and creating more Bitcoin. So the reason why I asked this question is I'm more interested in the, in the human humanitarian side of Bitcoin. And I find that kind of side of Bitcoin very, very hard to understand. So that's why I wanted to ask that question and maybe learn more about it. It's hard to answer in a, in a simple way because you, really you don't want to go into too much detail because then it just sounds like nonsense. So try and <laughs> boil it down, actually. You should, we should work on that. Just two lines to explain it. Doug Gigi's done it. Um, he says Bitcoin mining is getting a number. That's all it is. <laughs> That's a good answer. Sending, 
Miss, he's brilliant. That's not the golden nonce, is it? That's, that's gold. I'll, <laughs> I'll say, I would say that tells you the the what, but it doesn't tell you the why, right? So yes, it's guessing a number, but why are you guessing the number? <laughs> the, one of the best explanations I saw was that yes, you're guessing a number, um, but the reason you're all guessing the number in a distributed way is simply to ensure that the transactions which are made are reflected in the correct order and that everyone agrees on that order of on that or particular order of transactions. And the reason mining is required is because in the normal scenario or the one that we're used to, each the financial system has a central ledger and it has a policeman or a banker who controls that ledger and is in charge of the order of transactions. Because there's no central point of control in Bitcoin, you need a distributed system and um, Satoshi in the white paper actually referred to it not as the blockchain, but as the, as the effectively a time chain. It's a distributed timestamp server that mm. ensures that transactions are reflected in the correct order. And that is the that is the only truth. And every 10 minutes, the Bitcoin miners reiterate that this is true. And they have shown that it's true by correctly guessing the number. And the sequence of transactions in the block that they have just mined is the truth. And that will be, that truth will be repeated 10 minutes from then. Very good, thank you. <laughs> that was more um that that's very that's much easier to understand because I don't understand at all Bitcoin mining how it works. Thank you very much. Um, I somehow feel, Caitlin, that you probably understand it better than ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the population. <laughs> <laughs> Hope so. <laughs> but um. This so Susie, this month you have been working with a group in the US to source some miners and help with mining and education. Um, why is Bitcoin home mining so important? Oh, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it's only viable if you mine it from a, a solar or or free energy. So it's a really good way of showing people that they can get an extra revenue stream from something that would otherwise be wasted or lost. Um, large miners are very easy to shut down. They can be targeted. And I think that in the future, we it may be more important to have home miners just to keep, I know it's gonna be on a much smaller scale, but I think that it would help uh, distribute it and, and keep the system a lot more secure. And it, it also gives people an opportunity if they're on a feed in tariff to decide if they want to send their energy back to the grid or if they want to mine Bitcoin and they can make those decisions within their own little ecosystems within their houses um, to either make money from the grid or make money from mining, depending on where the price is, etc. So it's, it's got many, many benefits. And how do you mine bitcoin at home do you need like this huge computer this huge pc this huge machine or is there different ways used to used to be able to do it on a um on a, on a computer uh when the difficulty was one i've actually got i don't know if this is this is something my husband bought me for my uh, wedding anniversary i don't know if you can see it but it's the uh block that was mined when we got married and you can see um, that the difficulty is is one. Look at that. One. Oh my God, that is Quite so incredible. cute. Can I just say, men out there, take note. <laughs> if you have a Bitcoin partner, oh, that's such a sweet gift. 
Isn't that sweet? But but being oh able God. to see where it all was at that time, because it was still so new. So at that time, when the difficulty was one, you could mine off a computer and it was, you know, you'd get 50 Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. Incredible with a very, very, very easy um, difficulty. So uh, Caitlin's panicking now. She's like, I missed the boat. I missed the boat. <laughs> So yeah, I, I think Kayleen, you'd be retired by now. <laughs> exactly. I wouldn't even have to start working. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was when it truly was funny internet money. And and nobody understood it. But now no, what you need, uh, you need an actual proper um but we, there are different obviously they the the uh the computational power will go up as the difficulty increases more power is going to be required and therefore better mines are going to have to be used so you can use something like an s9 but it won't produce much it's more of a labor of love it's more of someone who's just a little bit interested in it who wants to test it out have a go at home but doesn't isn't too worried about making lots of money but if you want to do it on an industrial scale then you need something much much more powerful um so I'm not sure if this is right, but I think um, my uncle, um, he's he's the one who has a Suffolk jungle room in Suffolk. I'm not oh, sure. I've been there. Oh, and he's got a heater, hasn't he? He's got he's got he's mining Bitcoin. Yeah. But he's got a heater at the same time, so I don't know um, yeah. how uh, how that would work. Yeah, they're they're very clever, um, and and there are other companies popping up actually doing that. Um, I went to see a talk on that the other day. That there's a French company that's actually wants to replace all new builds with radiators that mine Bitcoin, and they're actually working on a project to do that. So, so you can every house in France they want to have a Bitcoin miner in it. <laughs> so you can use that stuff at home. You can. That's how you can mine Bitcoin at home if you wanted. So to. Just a plug-in radiator yeah wow quick and easy very okay. very clever cool and so um how can bitcoin mining help with governments and their climate change goals and that very interesting esg yes so it can turn it can actually help them achieve their targets because it can help them be not just carbon neutral but carbon negative so if you can take something that would otherwise be released into the atmosphere and would cause a problem and you can capture that and turn it into money. It's quite a phenomenal result for businesses and for ESG targets. So at the moment, what they do is they, when they, with flares, some flares, they, they burn the methane to turn it into CO2 because CO2 is considered less harmful for the environment rather than releasing methane, but they're still releasing something and it's still a waste product that's a problem. So Bitcoin mining can take that make it not a problem and turn it into a revenue stream. Freddie, do you have to go? I should probably run at half past, yeah, so... Um, okay, well then just Caitlin, drop off could... and then we'll, yeah, we'll pick up from there. Yeah, okay. so Caitlin, if you had anything else for, for me, for me um, I'm happy to, to chip in before I run. Apart from saying thank you so much for putting this together and I have to apologise massively for um, disappearing halfway through, but <laughs> thank you for thank you for arranging. Well, thank you very much for coming on. I've covered everything with you. I tried to make that like the start of the podcast, so I'm good. If you wanted to add it, add anything on, um, maybe um, 
um, maybe where, where people can, where can people find you on social media and how, um, how they can get to you if you want to finish off with that. Sure. So um, Twitter is very easy. It's at uh, Freddie New. That's Freddie with an IE, not a Y. Um, our, our website is is live and all of our publications are there as well. Uh, that's uh, BitcoinPolicy.uk. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn as well, though. I don't check that as often. Um, but um, I'm on all three. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Freddie. Well, thank you so much, Kaden. Really appreciate the time and um, great questions as well. Thank you. Thanks. See you. Bye. Take care. All the best. Bye, Bye, -bye. Freddie. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. I was going to say, Caitlin, this um, for the for Freddie and Susie's policy pieces and everything. It's BitcoinPolicy.uk forward slash news, and then that takes you direct to where all of that research is. And we also have a Substack, which is BitcoinPolicyUK.substack.com, and that has all of the pieces that go out as well. Sorry, I just put my marketing hat on there. I just want to make everyone sure <laughs> everyone has the right URLs. Right, Caitlin, take it away. <laughs> so, uh, where were we? Okay, Fred, so Freddie has exited stage left, and uh, you're left with Susie and I. I think to cover more mining and next gen. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we can focus more on that. Um, hang on a second. Okay, so um, Susie, it's really exciting to hear that you guys have been working with uh, BTC Maps. Maybe you can go on to into this project a bit more and explain what you're working <laughs> on and what you're doing. So uh, we, what we want to do, it, it, at first, we, we proved that it was possible to load in data of stranded and wasted energy uh, globally. We found the right data sources and we've been working with Daniel Batten to try and use his data. But the data wasn't clean enough. So it's been, although we've proven that we can do it, we don't have the right data sets at the moment. And that's why we haven't moved uh, we haven't haven't moved as far forward as we'd like to because I think that actually getting really nice clean data is the hardest part. Now we've. I was going to say, Susie, it might be worth just explaining for people what BTC Maps is and what the end output is, because um, not everybody yeah. will know. Yeah, good point. So uh, BTC Maps is something that's used on apps like Wallet or Satoshi, where you can find places that you can use bitcoin spend bitcoin and you can look at the maps and it will give you all the locations so we thought well wouldn't it be great if we could use that exact same concept on the exact same app and have another little drop down so rather than having merchants we can have stranded energy and then once we can see where it all is we can hopefully try and help marry up some miners and because miners just want cheap or sweet free energy and you know stranded people with wasted energy you just want to make money out of it and we thought it'd be a good way of marrying up the two okay very cool um and so what's the next step what are you working on what's your next goal so um we're, we're working on the type of miners that we want to get in for our proof of concept so we've got a few do you remember in miami when i was really excited <laughs> Yeah, yeah I mean, you're jumping I'm up and down and stuff like that. Yeah, I was I was so excited. So we we basically um, managed to source some S9s, but that may not be the best route to go down. So we're looking at other options to try and get some miners over here, so we can start um, mining ourselves from stranded renewable energy and 
um, we just need to get some proof of concepts in the UK so people can see because there's no point in talking to people you need to show them I agree I agree um, so now um, moving on to Krista uh, the goal of uh, of your pillar well the pillar that you're uh, working on uh, is to support the creation of UK Bitcoin of the UK Bitcoin um, talent pipeline so please can you explain and go more into detail about this yeah, sure. So um, I should give a shout out to Laura McConnell because she is my colleague who was leading NextGen and she's had to step away due to some work commitments. Um, so I've temporarily taken over NextGen from her, but she's done a lot of pre-work. So I'm kind of standing on her shoulders on some of these, these uh, deliverables. But as you said, basically the objective of NextGen is to support a UK talent pipeline. And at Bitcoin Policy UK, we feel that that's really important because we believe that Bitcoin is going to be the dominant technology. So I personally think every company is going to be a Bitcoin company in the same way that every company is an internet company. So every organization has a website, every organization uses the internet for payments. And I think all of our sort of online digital infrastructure will be built on the infamous time chain at some point in the future. So one of the biggest challenges for the UK is that we, to be quite frank, don't have a very well um, uh, trained workforce incoming. So there are a few problems in the UK. One is that there is a very deep misunderstanding about the differences between Bitcoin and crypto. Um, and that extends all the way through to the adult population. But obviously, the younger generation that's coming through doesn't really understand the differences between those two technologies and why Bitcoin is so special and why it stands on its own. And it's critically important, really, that we have a workforce incoming, so a talent pipeline that really understands the tech. Um, and is able to utilize it. So for example, we don't have many people in the UK who know how to program in the Bitcoin code. We don't have many people in the UK who understand Bitcoin mining in any great detail. Um, and we hope that with the work that Susie and Freddie and the community is doing, that we will see a growth in these industries in the UK. So currently we do have some Bitcoin businesses that are based in the UK, but not a huge amount. Um, so the way that we're going to approach this, I guess, in terms of trying to, to uh, create and support the talent pipeline is a few different methodologies. So one is just letting people know that there are Bitcoin jobs out there because there are people that might be interested in working in the industry. So we contacted Bitcoiner Jobs, which is a company that is part of, I believe, the Swan Bitcoin ecosystem. I'm not sure how they're legally structured if they're they're sort of a, a subsidiary of Swan, but they're basically a Swan company. And we've embedded their jobs feed onto our website. So if anyone is looking for a job in Bitcoin, you can now go on to bitcoinpolicy.uk forward slash next hyphen gen. And that will take you to our next gen page. And on there, there is a live stream of the Bitcoiner jobs. You can obviously just go directly onto the bitcoinerjobs.com site as well. But we wanted to make sure that that was housed on our website to kind of showcase that. And that site has Bitcoin only jobs. So you won't find any blockchain, Web3, crypto, none of that kind of, you know, messy stuff. You will just see pure signal Bitcoin jobs on there. Um, so that's one one part of it. Um, the second piece that we're doing is to start doing ask me anythings. 
So we're going to showcase some leaders of Bitcoin businesses who will do AMAs online live. And anyone that's interested in working in the Bitcoin business can join those and they can essentially ask those CEOs or those leaders of those businesses what kinds of qualifications they're looking for, what it's like working for those businesses and really get some information about why this is, as I'm sure we all present believe, like the most exciting industry there is right now and why we're pretty much dedicating our lives to it. Um, so those are the, the two, two of the uh, projects that we're working on. And we've got a couple of people lined up who I probably can't announce right now, but they're going to do MAs and AMAs in the next couple of months. Um, the last project, which actually just happened last week, is, um, by the way, sorry, Caitlin, I don't want to do a monologue, so you feel free to jump in and ask this a question great. if you like. This is really good. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, well, so the third element is um, a project that we're doing in conjunction, really, with a global community. So some of the viewers might be familiar with an organization called Ni Primer Bitcoin, um, and it's an organization that's based out of El Salvador. So El Salvador is, for those that aren't aware, the country that made, was the first country in the world that made Bitcoin legal tender. And they started this project in El Salvador to essentially upskill their young people. And they've designed a, a course that is standardized, that's designed for, you know, kids really, but adults can do it as well. It's a very good training program to give you all of the essentials that you need for to learn about Bitcoin. Uh, and Laura, my colleague, found a teacher in the UK who wishes to remain anonymous for now, but he is running a Bitcoin after school club using this particular curriculum. So he's training the kids on, on Bitcoin and all of the kind of structure of how Bitcoin works using this standardized program. And so we were really excited about that. And we thought it would be a great opportunity to bring in Bitcoin parents, for example, who may want to run their own after school club for their kids and their kids' friends. Or there might be teachers out there who are either Bitcoiners or just interested and could use that same curriculum. I have a firm belief that I think El Salvador is absolutely going to hit the ball out of the park. I mean, they've got this army of kids now that are coming up through the ranks that are really well trained in Bitcoin. And I would like to see the UK at a bare minimum be on a competitive uh, you know, scale with them. So I reached out to the team at Me Premier Bitcoin and I said, look, we're looking to do this project. You know, we'd love to just chat to you guys and understand a little bit better about like how best to deliver this. Um, and can you help me source a, a teacher that has used this program that we could host on a Zoom for UK parents and UK Bitcoiners? And then the response I got was really interesting because they have actually just kicked off this program, uh, which is a global initiative. It's fully decentralized and it's an opt-in voluntary program, but essentially there's a whole bunch of us across the world now that are participating in this program together. And they're using language for it, which is very similar to the Bitcoin uh, infrastructure itself, but it's not, it doesn't relate to anything technical. So there's a layer two technology that sits on top of Bitcoin called the Lightning Network, and it allows for faster payments uh, off chain essentially. Um, you know, in, in in between lightning nodes. And so they're calling this project like lightning nodes. So we are all signing up to be lightning nodes globally for the Mi Primer Bitcoin uh, curriculum and program. So what that means in practice 
is that we sign a memorandum of understanding, which is not a legally binding document, but it's basically a commitment to upskill a certain number of students using this program in a certain amount of time. So it's 50 students in the first 180 days of doing this. So we've signed up to this. Um, I actually had the call in a couple of hours with the team. So I think there's 30 of us globally so far that are signed up. And we're talking about people all over the world in Africa and Canada and everywhere else. So uh, I think at Bitcoin Policy UK, we're extremely excited to be part of this because it really feels like it embodies the spirit of Bitcoin and the decentralized network and really doing things together. So we've signed up to this program. I'm gonna get more information in a couple of hours about how we're going to implement this, but long story short, we are going to be calling on anyone in the UK, be you a Bitcoin parent or a teacher, who would like to implement this program in your school or in your community. Um, we would like to support you in doing that. Um, and our aim is to get at least 50 kids upskilled in the next 180 days. But I think we can we can do better than that. So we're going to try and up that number to a much higher number. So I would just like to make a shout out for any school teachers, any parents, anybody in the community that would like to upskill kids on the Bitcoin um, network and to understand Bitcoin. Please contact us at contact at bitcoinpolicy.uk. So that's contact at bitcoinpolicy.uk and just put lightning node uh, in the header and uh, let us know if you would like to participate. So we'll be putting more information out about that, but that was my big announcement for today. <laughs> Great, sounds very exciting. Um, so it, it kind of, it seems like your work is very fixed on educating the next generation about Bitcoin. Um, why is this so important? Um, I think it's everything. I think it's everything. I think if the UK is going to be competitive in the future, as we all want it to be, you know, we want the UK economy to flourish. We want people in the UK to have great opportunities. So I think making sure that we have a talent pipeline that really gets this is critical. I mean, when I was at university, and I'm aging myself now, but um, that was <laughs> that was when the internet was kind of a new thing. It was usable. And we had a computer center. We were all on chat rooms. It was like a really big deal. And I think that there has been um, so much misinformation put out about Bitcoin with regards to the environment, which obviously Susie's very familiar with, with regards to, you know, it being scammy, um, all of these various things that you just don't see the same level of education happening in educational establishments across the UK. So, for example, universities don't have dedicated Bitcoin programs. They often have things like blockchain or crypto or Web3. And those things are fundamentally different. They're not decentralized. Um, you know, they they don't have largely they don't use the proof of work concept in order to secure the network. Like they're a completely different beast. And Bitcoin really stands on its own. And it's the technology that's going to outlast all of those. Like the rest of that is just noise. You know, we've seen, for example, there was a big noise last year with the metaverse. Who talks about the metaverse now? Who's buying, buying, you know, up virtual land in the metaverse? Nobody. And so I think it's really important for students in the UK to understand that. And we have a much better chance of being in a good place if we start, you know, around sort of ages 12, 13 or even younger, because those kids are going to be in the workforce in three, four, five years. 
And if they really understand Bitcoin and they understand how to work with it, I think we can have a very competitive workforce globally. So I think that'd be an amazing thing for the country. <laughs> You're a mute. <laughs> I agree. And I think it's very, very um smart to um target the next generation because we are the next generation and it'll be us who's gonna be um making the next changes. And if you're you're right, if we understand Bitcoin, then I think we can go very, very far and help make a big change in the world. Hundred percent. When Susie and I are in our little wheelchairs in our old people's home, you guys will be driving the ship. Steering the ship. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Um, so thank you very much, ladies. If you wanted to add something else, then of course you can. But I've got um I've covered everything I needed from you guys. Um you can. Well, thank you very much for hosting this. This is our first ever podcast and one of I think you're going to be doing this monthly, right? So yeah. thank you for doing it. And uh, I mean, we're just really excited to be able to support the UK community and, you know, drive Bitcoin adoption. So yeah, thank you to you. Thank you to all of the Bitcoiners out there. Thank you to the whole team, I guess, from me. And uh, I'm just really honoured to be a part of this. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, I was saying to my dad, I think this is a really great and easy way to get myself into the the Bitcoin um, kind of world. And also it's good because I'm doing this by myself and not with my dad. So, uh, yeah, so I'm very, very happy. <laughs> you're, you're a case in point, so you're my target market. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, so lastly, where can people find Bitcoin um, policy? UK and what's your social media? Um, so should I do Susie? I'll do the uh, I'll do the socials and then maybe do you want to give some closing thoughts? Uh, yeah, I I don't really have anything. I think you've you've covered absolutely everything beautifully. And uh, yeah, policy mining next gen. What else is there to say? I mean, we've got it all covered, haven't we? It is exciting yeah. times. It really is exciting times, and I think it's absolutely fabulous that you're doing this and helping us get the message out there as well it's another medium to try and reach people and that's fabulous mm -hmm, yeah so i guess social handles so um our company twitter is at bitcoin policy uk um you're very welcome to follow me but mine is probably a little bit salty so it's at bitcoin krista krista with a k um views are my own i should qualify <laughs> <laughs> Um, and our website is uh, bitcoinpolicy.uk and people can reach us if they would like to contact us either via the contact form on the website or via contact at bitcoinpolicy.uk. And Susie, I don't know if you want to share, you should probably share your Twitter handle if you're happy to do it and mm -hmm. maybe also your City AM handle if people want to read your newsletter. Yeah, so if anyone wants to find me on Twitter, you can go to Decentrasus. I don't know. Can you put show notes in? Can you do that? Put yeah. Links down the bottom. And if you want to read any of my Bitcoin articles or my Bitcoin column, you can find it easily by going to the City AM website and just typing in Susie Violet, and then they should all come up. Perfect. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for coming. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs>